0: This is Religion and Theology, a podcast from the Center for Theology and Religious Studies. In May of 2022, the honorary doctor at CTR, Volker Kuster, was finally invited to give a lecture as a part of the faculty of CTR. And the title of the lecture is Artist in Resistance: Protest, Memory and Reconciliation. And I hand over the word to the Dean of CTR, Professor Stefan Borihammer, who will give a brief word of introduction. Kuster is professor of comparative religion and missiology at the Center for Intercultural Theology, Johannes Gutenberg Universität in Mainz, Germany. He's a leading scholar in the areas of intercultural theology, missiology, and uh, global Christianity. He was earlier a professor of intercultural theology at the Theological University Kampen in the Netherlands. He gained his doctorate in Heidelberg in 1995 with a dissertation Theologie im Kontext zugleich ein, ein Versuch über die Minjung Theologie. Uh, roughly theology in context likewise an essay on Minjung theology. Since then he has in various contexts promoted the intercultural perspective in theology. His book Einführung in die interkulturelle Theologie is today the basic work on the subject in the German speaking area. Kuster's wide-ranging research also includes innovative studies of the image of Jesus in different contexts in the world. He was among the first to treat the subject in his work, The Many Faces of Jesus Christ, Intercultural Christology. Uh, Many scholars have profited from uh, Kuster's unusually broad international networks, which extend to Korea, Indonesia, South Africa and beyond. He has shared these also with the theological faculty here in Lund, with which he has collaborated since the 1990s. My uh, predecessor as Dean, Professor Samuel Byschkog, wrote when when, um, uh, we uh, made Professor Küster uh, an honorary doctor of our faculty. I quote, by making Küster an honorary doctor of the theological faculty, we confirm and develop a long-standing collaboration with a colleague who has renewed theology by his unusually wide international outlook and experience, and we mark our approval of the intercultural perspective on theology that he, like no other, has made visible. And um, the title of his talk is Artist in Resistance, Protest, Memory, and Reconciliation. Yeah,
1: first of all, thank you very much for bestowing the honorary doctorate on me. Uh, and uh, after two years of lockdowns and uh, postponing, postponing, I'm quite happy that we can here be together in presence. Of course, COVID is overshadowing this whole thing till the end. Because two we, two days ago in the morning, I opened my email account and Vika writes. I'm positive with COVID, so unfortunately he cannot be here. I have good memories of Lund since the 1990s. Thank you for your nice and kind introduction. Um, And uh, I renewed this when Mika became professor here. Um, And I hope that we will continue these contacts in the future. What I want to do in the next 45 minutes is to introduce to you a number of artists from various contexts, especially in the Global South, but also from my own home country, Germany, and look into their political engagement, protest, memory, but also reconciliation. And I start with some artists from South Africa, this is of course also a... Uh, something that is very well known here. Pierre Frostin, still well known. And I was a young doctoral student. I was quite impressed reading his work when I was searching articles on the theory of contextual theologies. And then also now with Mika, uh, who has been in touch with Africa since many, many years. The triptych you see here is from a South African artist, Paul Stopford. And it was hung already under apartheid in the um, gallery in uh, Cape Town. So obviously the apartheid regime was not so afraid of art as a medium of political protest. The title is The Interrogators. And these were the people who interrogated Steve Biko uh, and murdered him in the prison and he also produced the so-called Bico series. Here you see uh, the dead body of Steve Biko in the mortuary and some body parts, hands and feet who show signs of torture. And when he, the artist was invited to the Biennale in uh, Chile, then the government interfered and uh, rejected the artists to travel to Chile because obviously they were afraid once it gets out of the country, then um, it's bad for the reputation of the apartheid regime. Here you see a more recent work of Paul Stopford, freedom dancer, 1996 post-apartheid. And this is for me also a uh, symbol of Getting reconciled uh, with his home country, but you have to be aware of the fact that the artist is now living in exile in the US and has never returned. African Spies, a more recent work from 2014. Another South African woman, white artist, uh, Sue Williamson. She produced these series of uh, large-scale photo-montage, where she shows different um, people who have been murdered by the apartheid regime and the testimonies of um, the people who interrogated and tortured them in uh, prison. And here you have the painting that is also referring to Steve Biko. Um, on the left side uh, you see his son and on the right side the interrogator. There's something I must tell you, it's a work from 2013 and it's a video work that is showing uh, videos from mothers who share their experience of apartheid which their daughters who have been sometimes already born in post-apartheid South Africa. So it's a, a very impressive work on memory and how it can be transferred. A particular Christian artist is Azaria Mbata from South Africa. He and early woodprint from the 70s that is showing the um, nativity scene and you see the soldiers in white and the kings and the holy family in uh, black. But in this picture he overcomes this black and white divide. Here you see the situation of apartheid. Black and white are separated, but here they like chessboard are mixed under the cross and Christ has a black and white half of faith. And interesting is here, this in the front, you have a kind of ancestor pole that is seeming to say bl- black and white are the ancestors of South Africa, and it ends in this mask of Christ again, but it's in verse, which has to do with the fact that in <laughs> African traditional religion the ancestors will be depicted white, in white. So. This is an image of the resurrected Christ, and you may remember the quotation from the Bible, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be among them. So this is from 1974, so deep in the time of apartheid, here you have a black artist arguing already for reconciliation of black and white. We are making now a big jump to South Africa, also a, a country that has been torn for a long time, by a military dictatorship, and my dissertation was already quoted. I have been studying Minjung theology as a student in 1987 88 in Korea, still under the military dictatorship. And one wood print that exp- is expressing very well what Minjung theology, the theology of the people, is all about is this woodcut by Hong sang Gam. You see here a more or less traditional depiction of the crucified, but the hands and feet with the wounds of the cross are not visible. If you look to the people on the lorry in the background, then you see they bear the wounds of the cross. These are protesters who protested against the military uh, government and were shot down by the own um, Korean Military and they are the ones who bear the marks of the cross. So the suffering of Christ is present in the suffering of the people. The artist Hong Song Dam has been active against the military dictatorship. He has been imprisoned, but he kept on being critical on the developments in his country also under the different governments since then. His Gwangju cycle is mainly depicting the uh, violence of the, the military, but you find two, Christian, two or three Christian motives. This is a mother who is mourning her son, and if you see this through a Christian lens, then of course it's the Pieta. Um, and another one is showing uh, Christ, who is Again, showing his wound uh, to this person who has been tortured by the military. You can see that he doesn't seem to have arms. And there is a poem by Korean poet, Catholic poet Kim Chi ha uh, the story of the sound, who is describing somebody who has been cut off his hand, feet and arms and who is rolling in his prison cell against the wall to produce a sound and to protest still against the dictatorship. In the 1990s the artist produced a series seven days in water and while during the military dictatorship he was using wood print uh, which is a form of democratization of art because you can easily reproduce it on leaflets and and, uh, for protest purposes. Now he has been uh, turning to acrylic, and what he is doing here is he is trying to um, get over his trauma of water torture. In the first painting you see the artist tied to a chair uh, drowned in water upside down and then you see a few flowers uh, growing from the chair and the island in the background and the artist is saying he wants to Retrieve a good relationship with water because he was born on an island. But after the water torture, he, he's afraid of water and he cannot go out, for instance, if it is raining. And through his artwork, he tries to reconcile with himself. <clears throat> Here you see him hang over the, the bathtub where they will uh, drown him underwater, And then um, in the next picture you see traditional Korean food, rice, soup, and kimchi. And he says, when they torture you, they will feed you before so that you're not um, get too uh, early, uh, too weak to be tortured. So um, the already quoted Kimchi Ha wrote a poem, Rice is heaven. Rice is the basic food uh, in Asia, Uh, different from Europe with bread. So sometimes they also celebrate uh, Holy Communion with rice. But uh, he says, well, it's more ambiguous because, uh, you know, they nurture you in order to torture you. Then in the following pictures, you can see how the artist turns more and more into a fish, into an animal that cannot live without water. The last three pictures are like mandalas. And you see here the two fishes more circling around the chair where you still can see the ties. And interesting as the two last pictures here, the artist has totally transformed into a fish and you see the difference in color between the two rice bowls. Um, So the last rice bowl is in white, which is uh, the color of reconciliation. So finally uh, he has become uh, reconciled. And it's the same experience in South Africa and there has been a long discussion about this can you only be reconciled if the perpetrator uh, is willing uh, to repent? Uh, And Bishop Tutu and others have said no, then that is just like violating um, the victim again. So this concept of self-reconciliation, I have learned from artists like Hong Song Dam, that you have to come into terms with your own trauma first, even if the perpetrator is not willing to repent. Some of you may know that uh, one of the last presidents of South Korea, Park Jong-hee, who was finally uh, uh, impeached and and put into prison, was the daughter of the long-term military dictator Park Jong-hee, and he produced this very controversial work where she gives birth to her own Uh, father, and some people felt that you cannot do this, but um, at the end of the day uh, He may have been right here. You see another caricature where the uh, uh, KCIA is dancing the famous uh, Gangnam style dance. Um, So he has been early on uh, criticizing her and indeed later she was imprisoned and one of the big scandals was the so- so-called sea wall overall the drowning of a ferry boat where f- 400 school children drowned in the sea and the president wasn't uh, to be seen on the media for more than eight hours and the question of course that remains is if this would have been children from high Uh, class families wouldn't they have interfered earlier, but these were just uh, school children of uh, poor uh, people. We make a jump again uh, to India, a Lutheran artist and theologian and pastor Solomon Raj. As you can see, he became nearly 100 years. um, And he is representing in his artwork the so-called um, Dalits, the caste less who have become um, Christians and also Muslims in order to flee the Hindu caste system. Um, this is a work to the left of the so called Hindu Renaissance that was where Hindu artists and intellectuals who became interested in, in Jesus Christ. And so far that one of them, (laughs) the famous um, uh, Tagore said there are three basic iconographic inventions. That's the smile of the Buddha, the dance of Shiva and the suffering of Christ, which was very um, surprising in an Asian context where in, in Hinduism and Buddhism, is a god that suffers is uh, not uh, something that is understood easily. So for a long time, this whole idea of the crucified was a very strange image um, in Asia. And in one of his earliest wood prints that have also, has also won a national prize, he is obviously referring um, to this artwork, but this is one of the few ref- references, actually, to Hinduism in his works. And it took me some time to understand why in the beginning, yeah? because when we think in terms of contextualization, we would expect that he would give Christ a Indian face, meaning using uh, Hindu iconography, but he didn't do um, that. Uh, so here you see Also an early work, The Refugees, that is also referring to the experience of the Muslims that have been uh, driven to Pakistan after um, the division of um, India and Pakistan after independence. Interesting to see is that the medium of, of linocut and woodcut is much more expressive also of the suffering than this Uh, Batik style. It's the same message, but it's it's much more soft and so Marshall McLuhan's uh, dictum the medium is the message uh, also uh, applies here Here we see Christ uh, putting his arm around the Dalit family so as a matter of fact Christ is present here twice as the one who is uh, sheltering the family and also this is the depiction of the holy family as a refugee Dalit family. So in all these early pictures, besides the, 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 the one that is referring to the Hindu Renaissance, you cannot find any reference to the Hindu iconographic system. And this also an early work, Jesus the teacher. Here you see Jesus depicted as the Buddha. So instead of referring uh, to Hindu iconography. He is referring to Buddhist iconography, which has been extinguished actually from India 1000 years ago. So there hasn't been any uh, Buddhism in India until the um, conversion of Ambedkar, who was one of the Dalit um, leaders, uh, the counterpart of uh, Gandhi in the independent struggle and Ambedkar said, well, I'm born as a Hindu. I cannot change that, but I don't have to die as a Hindu and that's why he converted with half a million of his followers to uh, Buddhism. And you see here a Bhatik also showing this picture of Jesus sitting in a Buddha position on the lotus flower, which is the uh, symbol of uh, Buddhism. Um, And even I found now a depiction of of Buddha, which is very rare in his work. He mainly has Christian themes, so this is one of the few uh, works I found where he is directly referring to the Buddha. Here you see the resurrected Christ also um, with the lotus flower. And my idea is that that what, what he is actually doing, he is having a a secret dialogue, in a a way, with Ambedkar, um, who converted to Buddhism. And this left one is is the cover of the uh, uh, Dalit punk band, and here you can see this is what you can buy in the streets, uh, street art, Ambedkar and the Buddha uh, in one picture. Because after his conversion, uh, we talk about Neo-Buddhism in India. It's still a small minority um, but Buddhism has returned now. We stay in India but uh, turn to another conflict, Nagaland. This is one of the provinces uh, with uh, a tribal population and it has have been the tribals who have been converting uh, in, in larger numbers um, to Christianity. Uh, my doc- doctoral student in, in, in Kampen and also the master students who are coming from Nagaland, they didn't have passports. Yeah? So in order to come to the Netherlands, first of all, they had to go to very t- complicated, uh, restrictive uh, procedures in order to get a passport to be able to travel abroad. Yeah? So you can see how they are uh, suppressed by the central uh, government. And this is a work by a secular Indian artist I saw on the documenta in Kassel uh, a few years ago. The lighting testimonies and these are videos of women uh, who are giving testimony about the rape by the Indian um, military. And the Nagas are, are, are proud of their own culture and Tradition, and this shows that that culture uh, and religion are important uh, forces of resistance against um, oppressive governments. We make another jump to Papua in Indonesia, um, and the Papua is a is a third world country, oppressed by another third world country. Of course, behind that there are interests of neoliberal global uh, capitalism. So the um, Americans are uh, present there, uh, and and. Um, if, if you come to, to the uh, capital of, of, of Papua, you can see that they have established a kind of apartheid system there. Uh, the mining companies have their own supermarkets, but the Papua workers are not allowed to buy in these supermarkets, so they have to give their money to somebody to buy for them uh, the Western products. I um, had heard about this artist uh, who, uh, artist who died in the meantime, Donatos Moyen, and I visited the Catholic Cathedral in Yajapura to see his work, and as a post-colonial uh, thinker, of course, at first moment you think, oh, this is Orientalism, yeah? so why bother? It's not interesting. Yeah? Uh, but then when I was talking with the artist, he said that it was a huge discovery for him to see that Jesus and the people of the Bible were non-whites. Yeah. Um, so what looks to me as Orientalism for him uh, was discovering <laughs> if they were non-whites, that means they can also be Papuan. And, and in the cathedral itself, you can see it in, in, in the angels. Yeah, the angels are Papuans. But then I visited him in his studio in a Catholic um, hospital, where he also um, designed um, the chapel. And very interesting is this uh, Papuan Christ, so a bit away from the center, he went much farther in in showing that that Jesus actually is a Papuan. And this connects very well, again, with Papuan pop culture. Uh, When I was traveling there, Bob Marley was everywhere, yeah, Yeah, you heard his uh, music and and many Papuans uh, who were considering themselves as resistance fighters were actually dressing with uh, the Rasta uh, colors. And here you have a a feminist Papuan uh, punk band. This is President Jokowi, and, and uh, there was some hope in Papua that, that he uh, would make uh, a difference. Um, and I think at least uh, one has to say that he is more aware uh, of the problems than, than his predecessors. We stay in Indonesia, but go to the island of Bali. <laughs> Newman Dasane, an artist I have been working uh, with for a long time. And his first exhibition um, we made in Heidelberg and some other places in Germany and Switzerland was titled The Beautiful Gospel because uh, Bali seemed to be an island of harmony. So for him, the 10 virgins um, are not emphasizing the difference in a sense, but he's saying we need both. Uh, so the the idea is uh, also with Mary and Martha, we need Mary, we need Martha. We have to balance the differences. <laughs> and this has been uh, disturbed for once by the experience of the tsunami um, in 2004. So you can see how this affects his works into the color and style. Uh, the colors have changed. The style is much more... Uh, abstract, if it comes to the background still, you can see architecture of of temple gates and you can see the boats on the beach. Um, In the foreground, two children who uh, beg for rice. And if you look at at the the gestures, then you can see that they will probably get up the next minutes and dance their suffering. And in the background is uh, Jesus. And for me, this is a Gethsemane picture. And um, interesting for me to, to confront this with an early work uh, of Dazane on, on Eden. Uh, and you see Adam and Eve dancing here. And the animals are running away, fleeing. And um, the t- title of the image is Five Minutes Before the Fall. And in the context of the tsunami, we learned the animals were fl- fleeing to the inside of the island and the tourists went to the beach to take photos. And the tour- t- tourists drowned, the animals survived. Yeah? So, I think already in this early picture, there is some, some wisdom uh, hidden. Of course, you reread it different now, yeah? after the experience of the tsunami. And this painting is a response to the Bali bombings. Uh, Bali is the only Hindu island in Indonesia, but it's also the only greater Hindu population outside um, of India. And Christianity is a small minority and the Muslim extremists threw bombs into several tourist places, which had a, tr- a tremendous impact on the island because the tourism went down. Um, And many people are uh, suffering still uh, from these consequences because the island had started to live on the tourism. And also this affects artists, of course, because they cannot sell their work anymore. And here you can see Christ dancing on the cross. And if you look very closely, then you see here these shadow puppets behind... Um, the Reign of Blood, that's the title uh, of the painting, and these are the demons who are disturbing the harmony. So, the beautiful gospel uh, is no more uh, at the moment, yeah? and, and you can see how he is struggling with these disturbances of the concept of harmony. So in order that this does not remain a kind of exotic uh, uh, travel, I will now turn to my own uh, country, Germany, and um, looking at how Gerhard Richter, one of the most famous contemporary artists um, at the moment, is responding in his artworks to the Nazi dictatorship and the movement 68. This painting from 1965, so before um, the movement, 68 actually is a family portrait of his aunt Marianne and here you see Gerhard Richter as um, a baby Um, if you, again, if you look at at, at it with the eyes of of Christian iconography, you may be reminded of uh, Mary and the child And the tragic story behind it, that Aunt Marianne was killed in the Nazi euthanasia program because she was an epileptic. And another uh, painting that is uh, painted after a picture from a family album is Uncle Rudy in the uniform of the Wehrmacht. So you see in one family, there is one person um, serving in the army and the other... Uh, murdered by the Nazis because of her illness. Another painting from these years is Herr Heide, um, painted after a picture uh, in the newspaper. Werner Heide, als er sich den Behörden stellt, so Werner Heide, um, turning himself in um, to the police. And Werner Heide was one of the leaders of the Nazi euthanasia program. A painting that caused much more um, (coughs) um, critique in these years, because it was a naked woman coming down the stairs, was Emma. uh, That was his then wife. But the story, again, behind this, is that she was the daughter of one of the leading doctors of the Nazi euthanasia program. So again, you see how in his own family all this uh, German history intersects. Um, And this, like many other Nazis, this doctor became a very respected uh, person within the new uh, German uh, system. So, actually, if you look at the generation 68 also as a revolution against the parents, uh, asking them why didn't you do more to resist, then he was far ahead of that um, as an artist um, and dealing with this. On the other hand, he was always, and is always, saying he's not a political artist. So, he is trying to show um, that this um, is something that, that, that is common to human beings, that, that, that evil and violence is in the world. The Bader Meinhof cycle, referring to the German terror, terrorist group uh, run by Andreas Bader and Ulrike Meinhof, who were um, the radical wing of the generation 68 in their own understanding. Uh, was very controversial uh, in in Germany when it uh, when it was first shown. Um, here you see the um, dead Andreas Bader in um, Stammheim in the uh, prison. He is using always newspaper clippings or uh, uh, photographs, but he is zooming them out and in and he is also uh, blurring them in in colors and and so on. This um, reminds me um, on the Pieta without Mary. If you look at uh, the depiction of the body with the arm hanging down, uh, be aware. I'm not saying this is a Christian picture, yeah. But I'm you know as uh, um, as observer uh, according to modern art theory or postmodern art theory. I'm part of the process of uh, constituting meaning. So this is what I see when I look at this. Uh, Three quarter year earlier, uh, Ulrike Meinhof had hung herself in her prison cell and he painted this um, three times. This is the most abstract painting and you can see the strangulation around her neck. And this iconographically reminds me on this famous painting by Holbein, the Younger, Christ in the Tomb. And I made a very interesting discovery on the last documenta. I walked around the pillar Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, I saw this painting by Gerhard Richter, which is a very intimate format like this. And it's a depiction of of his daughter. And if you look at the black color of her, uh, sweater and the way she is depicted, then that reminds of the uh Ulrike Meinhof uh p- paintings. So again, I think the artist is referring here to the fact that this can, can be part of every German uh family. The last painting of this Bader Meinhof cycle um, is uh, Painting funeral, which shows the funeral of uh, Jan Karl Raspe, uh, Andreas Bader, and Gudrun Enslin on the uh, uh, graveyard in Stuttgart. And people were saying, "No, they say they shouldn't be buried on a public graveyard. They should just be thrown away." And then the the, the major major of uh, Stuttgart, Manfred Rommel, who is a a prominent Christian, who was a prominent Catholic Christian, also said, no, after death, this should stop, they should get a human burial. And there are two things interesting in this painting. Um, If you look at the original picture, um, then you will see that the artist emphasized this structure here. And if you follow the, the two, three coffins, then this forms a T-cross um, in, in the painting. And then here on top, you see the three crosses of Golgatha. And if you look at the original uh, photo, then you will see it's just three trees. So, here the artist obviously manipulated um, the painting in a way to sneak in this reference to Golgatha. So I'm reading at least this uh, Bader-Meinhof cycle as a postmodern uh, way of the cross. And what what I'm understanding from from him uh, in terms of his Nazi paintings, but also the Bader-Meinhof uh, paintings that he's pointing out, that German society needs reconciliation, that these uh, issues have never really Uh, been tackled with in a way um, that this trauma has been overcome. You may know that in Old Age, in 2007, he finally uh, agreed to um, designing uh, a window in the uh, cathedral in um, Cologne. So, if you ever uh, come through Cologne with the train and have a few minutes, go over and, and look at this fantastic window, which is referring to his early abstract paintings from the 70s, I would say. And I found this photo of the Internet saying, uh, Gerhard Richter seeing for the first time his window. And at least I see this as the Easter laughter, uh, as an expression. Um, that the artist is very happy with uh, having done this picture. Well, we are living in difficult times, uh, so I want to end with a Putin special referring to uh, pussy riot. Um, and you see here Putin with uh, the uh, officials of the Russian Orthodox Church. And uh, Patriarch Kirill is a strong... Supporter also of the war in Ukraine. And um, you may remember uh, these three girls that entered the uh, church, Christ the Redeemer Cathedral, in um, Moscow. And actually, I consider this as a theological intervention because that what they were saying, actually, was Mother Mary should intervene, that her church is not supporting uh, the politics of Putin. And unfortunately, uh, Western church leaders uh, felt obliged to say, well, no, this is going too far, um, mm-hmm. this is not possible. Uh, so they actually were supporting uh, the wrong uh, side like our Mm -hmm. politicians have been doing for a long time. Um, Here you can also see uh, how Putin's system has been uh, working. Um, An interesting uh, detail on the side is that one of them, Maria Aljochina, uh, started a relationship with Anteo, who was one of the right-wing iconoclasts who uh, destroyed uh, artworks of uh, Christian modern artists that were not um, Mm -hmm. welcomed by the Orthodox Church. And they started to protest uh, together for human rights. So, it's also a kind of conversion story probably, or is it only a, a clever uh, propaganda trick we don't know. Yeah? Uh, but it's an interesting story on the side. I come to the end. Um, the artist or behind the picture to follow these uh, classical recurring categories. Uh, for art, as we have seen, is a form of protest and resistance. But it's also a form of coping with trauma and even a means of reconciliation, even if that often means, as I try to show, self-reconciliation and resilience. You also have a dialogue of the artists behind the picture. Well, if you go to the artworks or in the picture, iconography, iconology, then it's often a disclosure of what has been happening. And it's also a form of memory, as we have seen. And if you remember what we just have been doing, then there is also a dialogue of pictures. So, relating these pictures that came from these different uh, areas of conflict. And finally, the public or in front of the picture, art can be a form of conscientization, of Freire has taught us of becoming aware of what is going on. Um, it can be a form of empowerment, yeah, if you think at the, of the uh, Dalits or the uh, Nagas or the Papuans. It also produces empathy. Yeah? If you see a work that, that like the uh, naga women who are giving testimony of their rape then that produces empathy so you also have a dialogue of the audience thank you very much for your attention